0: Let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I want to approach this passage this morning in two ways. Um, One, from a personal standpoint, I want to encourage us this morning to take a very honest and practical and responsible look at who we have been and what needs to change. And then, from a spiritual standpoint, we're going to do a very similar analysis, and we're going to establish some fresh standards for the new year, and at the very end, we'll ask some important questions um, that I think will be helpful and will challenge us. So, encourage you to take some notes this morning. Um, there's a lot to kind of analyze and assess, but obviously, with the new year starting tomorrow, there are going to be a lot of people who uh, vow to start over, right? Start fresh. Okay, new year, new calendar, we went to the calendar store, or whatever, and got our new calendars, our new planning book, and, and we're ready to go. So um, we're, we're now thinking about some of the significant changes we might make in the new year. I don't know why in the dead of winter we decide now it's time for change. But because the calendar tells us, right, that's what we're going to do. So I don't know how many of you are planning to do that, but I found an article this week that listed the 10 resolutions that are broken most often. That was a really encouraging article to me. So if you're thinking about this, here are the ones that are broken the most often. Anyone want to guess what number one is? Lose weight. Yeah, lose weight and get fit. I know that one's on my list. Um, so lose weight, get fit's number one. Quit smoking's number two. Hopefully none of you are doing that. If so, stop. Number three, learn something new. That's a real definitive goal, right? I'm going to learn something new. okay. Uh, eat healthier and diet which seems like the same as number 1 number 5 most broken resolution get out of debt and save money number 6 spend more time with family number 7 travel to new places number 8 be less stressed good luck with that number 9 volunteer and number 10 drink less or not at all so those are the ones that we vow like we're going to do that we're serious now it's january 1st and we're going to get to it but many times by the first week of January those are already broken and those are excellent desires those are things we should be doing but the problem with resolving to change that that word is interesting because it simply means to decide firmly on a course of action so I'm going to decide that I'm going to lose weight I'm going to decide that I'm going to get out of debt or spend more time with my family but the problem is that's just the decision for it to become real, there has to be an intentional daily commitment, a, a non-negotiable, this is how it's going to be, it's a lifestyle change. Because if we don't do that, it's far too easy to kind of change our mind, right? And lose desire, and, and you, you want to lose weight, but then somebody like a couple of you blessed us with some cookies and pastries and cinnamon rolls, <laughs> like, come on, that's not helping me lose weight, uh, they were yummy though, I really enjoyed them, thank you very much, but um, it's it's very easy to get off track, and when we get off track the first time, we get discouraged, and then we kind of say, well, I blew it for today, so now I don't know what to do, or we go out to eat and spend money we don't have, whatever the case may be. So we need to touch this morning on some of the personal changes we need to make, and we'll spend a little time on that, but of far greater importance is the need to do a spiritual inventory. And that's what Paul talks about here in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to ask some of the same questions for the personal that we're going to ask for the spiritual, because they kind of feed off each other. The same concept of putting off the past and moving forward applies to the personal and the spiritual. And in fact, as we live this out spiritually, we're going to find that it's going to strengthen us personally. And as we practice it personally, we're going to find out that it reinforces those spiritual principles. So let's read a small section of text this morning. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 8 to 16. And then I'd like to establish three ways that the Lord is calling us to live in the new year. Three ways the Lord's calling us to live in the new year. And then as we go through them, I want to really challenge and encourage you to to be praying about these, even as we're studying this morning, be asking the Lord, Lord, I need your help this year. I need um, to be clear on your direction from heaven, and I need to be very committed and ask you for help on how I can accomplish this, okay? So start in chapter 3 and verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. Look at each word, very important. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God On the basis of faith, there is good theology right there. This concept of justification, being declared righteous by God through faith. The goal, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Here's the key verse. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God In Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, he's speaking of the declaration of justification, let us have this attitude. And if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, verse 16, let us keep living by that same standard to which we've attained. Now, Paul is talking here about past, present, and future. And we're going to go in that chronological order this morning, even though we're going to kind of jump around the text a little bit. But the message for us, first of all, about the past is in verse 13. Let's read it again. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, read it with me, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. The first calling that heaven is giving us for this new year, is to release and forget the past. To release and forget the past. Now let me explain that. We all tend to have a very love-hate relationship with the past. Often it's full of sorrow and hurt and regret and it kind of annoys us and pains us uh, to think about it. And yet uh, in many ways, there's a certain sense of nostalgia, almost uh, at times a romanticization of of what happened. And we tend to de-emphasize the bad and only kind of dwell on the good. But either way, we, we, if, if there's too much focus on the past, if there's too much kind of, well, how it used to be and what it was like and it was so much better then, that can become kind of a... a a heavy yoke around our emotional neck. It kind of just becomes this thing that hangs on it, and we feel the weight of it, and yet, ironically, we kind of feel a comfort in that weight. It's kind of like a blanket. It, 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 It pains us, and it causes us heartache, and yet, it's what we hold on to. And we do that, it's easy to get very caught up in regret. John Greenleaf Whittier said that when he said, for all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Now, a lot of times when we're living with that regret, we have a profound desire to go back and kind of relive certain parts of it. In fact, I've always thought that one of the greatest inventions that man could make would be the ability to go back and experience certain parts of life. To, to, to be in that moment, to go relive that hour or relive that day or relive that month when when there was something that really, really uh, uh, engulfed us and, and made us happy or or maybe it even made us sad. But, but we want to go back, and, and a lot of times we wish we could change those. But we can't change the past. And because we can't change the past, we have to learn from it. We have to learn from what we've experienced and as we analyze that we need to ask tough questions. What did I do wrong? How did I fail? Now nobody likes asking those kinds of questions, right? What did I do wrong? Nobody wants to think about what they did wrong but but those are important because it's what creates learning and it what it's what creates change and if we don't own up to those, if we don't honestly confront what we did wrong how are we going to change? If I only look back at the past with rose colored glasses and say, well I didn't do anything wrong and everybody else did something wrong and I'm fine, there's not going to be any need in our hearts for change. Now it doesn't mean we're supposed to obsess about it. it doesn't mean we're supposed to dwell on it all the time because that's the point of verse 18, he says we need to forget the past and move on but, but learning from the past, learning from what's happened, is the foundation for serious transformational change. because we see what happened, we see what we did, and we see our need for the Lord. And the Lord's the only one that can produce real change. So why is this essential? Why is this important to us personally and spiritually? Well, write down Luke 9:62, you can look at it later. It's a great passage. But Jesus says in Luke 9:62 that no one, after putting their hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven." That's a strong statement. We're told by Paul, don't look back, forget the past. We're told by Jesus, if you are, are moving toward the kingdom of heaven and you look back with regret, you kind of look back and say, "Wow, I wish I could used to be there again." He says, "You're not worthy of my kingdom." Because that means you aren't fully invested in my work. It means apparently you think that life was better than the life I've provided for you now. That's why Jesus says in another passage, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Because once you start looking back, it's easy to go ahead and go back. And we'll talk about the implications of that spiritually in just a moment. But our calling here, it's very clear, verse 13. Our calling is to go forward. To go forward. And the Bible is our landmark. What you hold in your hands right now, this is what helps you analyze and helps me analyze, am I progressing or am I regressing? So let's talk about this personally, and then we'll talk about it spiritually. What are some of the personal areas That we need to analyze and we need to be ready to change. I'm going to give you five this morning. Number one, relationships. We need to analyze our relationships and we need to be ready to change our role. Now, we need to ask ourselves in our relationships, what have I done? Here's the fun question. You ready? How many are ready for the fun question? One of you, fantastic. What have I done? Not what did they do. What have I done? to incite or contribute to the stress and disunity? Oh, it got very quiet in here. What have I done to incite or contribute to the stress and disunity? I have counseled over 30 years of ministry, hundreds and hundreds of couples. I have counseled families in relationships. I have counseled people within the church. And I have never met one situation I've never met one person who was completely right now I've met a lot of people that thought they were completely right but they were wrong which made them not completely right do you get what I'm saying I've never been in a situation, never met a couple, never met a family, never met a relationship where one person was absolutely, doggedly, completely right, and the other person was completely and utterly off track and wrong. So what does that mean? It means that you are wrong in some way, and so am I. You are wrong in some way, and so am I. How many people are thinking right now, but the other person is more wrong, (laughs) right? Yeah, okay, pastor, I'll accept 1%, but you don't know the 99%. It's so easy to blame others, right? It's so hard to take responsibility, but taking responsibility is the sanctified thing to do. And the more we take ownership of our part in the stress and our part in the disunity, the more that other person will begin to do the same and the more the relationship will begin to heal and be restored. So in the new year, personal responsibility in our relationships, what did I do that caused the problem? Second, our job or our work. Here are the hard questions. Did I really work hard in the last year? Was I faithful to my job? Was I faithful to studying in school? Did I give it full attention and full labor? Or was I often kind of apathetic and distracted and kind of giving less than full effort? See, the Lord calls us to be honest in our labor, but he says not just because you have a job and you get paid and it's what you're supposed to do. He calls us to be faithful and honest in our labor because we're working as unto the Lord. So we need to see our service, whatever your job is, you're a machinist, or you're a missionary, or you're a teacher, or you're a stay-at-home parent, or you work in a factory, whatever the case may be, whatever your job is, it's not for the name of the company, it's not for just putting in your hours and getting your paycheck, it's unto the Lord. We're here to serve Him, and we're here to represent His name well. And I believe, knowing you, most of us work very hard and with gratitude for our jobs. But this is one of those areas we need to check. and We need to be very careful of, are we serving the Lord well in our job? Third, personal life. How have you done in terms of your health, your weight, your appearance, your daily habits? How have you done with your goals of, of family and money and traveling and relationships? Because when we went through that list of resolutions, we kind of laughed, right? Because we know that those things tend to to fall away. And these are the things we know we need to change, but often we kind of uh, fall apart in that. It's very important for us as believers, as children of God, as sanctified, redeemed people, that we really challenge in this new year our heart and our mind. And I want to really encourage you that one of the ways that we can do that is to intentionally focus on learning. Okay? Studies show, I don't know if they're accurate, but this is what I've always read, that you stop learning at the age of 25. And some of us are well past 25, right? So we need to learn. We need to read. In fact, I am ordering uh, this week 12 books for the year, one for each month. And these books will inspire you and strengthen you and stir you up. Next week, the first book for January will be available. And I want to challenge you right now, congregation, I want to challenge you to read all 12. They're not going to be super expensive, not $30. I'm talking like 5 to 10 bucks. You spend that at Starbucks. You spend that at Dunkin' Donuts. You know you do, right? Come on, one frappuccino, latte, mocha, chai, tea, Heavy water, light sugar, heavy cream, mocha, something. <laughs> what are those things? All right? They're like 550. And you drink it and you feel horrible, because it's just a bunch of sugar. And you support a company oh, no I don't, I'm. Watch my mouth in the new year, right? You spend five bucks on a mocha frappuccino latte chai tea. Thing You can spend five books on a book that will inspire you and change you and strengthen you and challenge you. So next week, they're going to be available. And I don't want to say, I want you to read all 12. And I say, well, Pastor, I don't have a lot of time. Yes, you do. Cut back on your phone. Cut back on your TV. Cut back on your social media. We waste a lot of hours. You know you do because I do. So we need to learn And we need to focus as we do on our lifestyle because as believers and children of God, every moment, listen now, every moment as a believer, you are representing Jesus Christ. So we need to do that with with integrity and passion and intentionality, okay? Relationships, job, personal. Fourth, emotions. This is a tough one. Because you may still be living with pain and heartache, and disappointment from your past. And those feelings will probably never go away, especially if it's something very visceral like a loved one who died or, or there was some kind of traumatic illness or a job loss. Listen, that's understandable. But the vast majority of things that we hold on to emotionally are issues that we can move past. And I want to encourage you and challenge you and myself, have you actually prayed... Have you actually asked the Lord to relieve you and release you from that pain? Have you actually asked the Lord, Lord, I want to forget? Now the word there is very interesting. It means to neglect and no longer care for. He says, forgetting the past. The word is neglect and no longer care for the past. Now, we'll look at the spiritual implications of that in a minute. But think about that just for a minute um, because it's a very important principle that Paul's talking about here. How often do we kind of nurture the hurt? How often do we kind of keep feeding the hurt by not letting it go we keep thinking about the offense someone who let us down and something was unfair in a situation we were in that wasn't right and and then we talk about it and we refer to it and we let it fester by giving it a home in our heart and our mind and kind of feeding it every day it's like an emotional stray kitten like we just oh it's it's okay and it's nice and and we like it and then we keep feeding it and we keep nurturing it we keep talking about it well i had that incident and that really hurt somebody's like you know brother sister that's great but 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 you need to move on and you need to press past it that somebody hurt you but it's okay i know but you know i just i don't understand why L- listen we got to move past that because that becomes a bondage to us and we can't be paralyzed by it Anymore. Listen, if the Lord can erase and forget my sin, he can easily take away the emotional baggage, right? He can help me with that. He can help me forget and get beyond it. And he can remove the pain of the past if we ask him by faith, Lord, please remove the pain of the past, because heaven calls us to live in victory. Not to live in heartache, not to live in pain, not to live in depression, not to live in constant, uh, heaven calls us to live in victory. And listen, that's a learning process. Paul says in Philippians 4, I've learned in all things to be content. Whether I'm abounding or I'm abased. And he's sitting in a jail with no friends, nothing to read, no warmth, jailers that are mocking him. He's trying to witness to them every day. They have to change the jailers more often because Paul's such an evangelist. But he's sitting there alone in a dank cell writing to these churches that he knows have fallen away from God. Trying to encourage them, trying to strengthen them. And he says, Paul, the apostle, the great evangelist, at the end of his life, he says, I've learned. I've learned to be content. The Christian life is a learning process. It's a time where we become to a place of deeper faith and surrender and we pray and say, Lord, move me past the past and get me to the future. Learning to be content. Sit in Philippians 4 this year. Spend some time in the book of Philippians, but especially... Spend time in chapter 4. It is a transformative passage of Scripture that will give us some very great goals. Fifth, we need to analyze our walk. And that leads us to our second calling from heaven. Okay? First calling from heaven, release and forget the past. Second calling from heaven is to establish fresh spiritual standards. Establish fresh spiritual standards. We need to assess if we're taking as much time thinking about serious spiritual changes that we plan to make in the new year as much as we are planning how we're going to lose weight And how we're going to find a new job. And how we're going to reduce debt. And how we're going to take that vacation in July. How we're going to do this. How we're going to do this. We spend all this time planning. We get our calendars. We set it out. What's our vacation schedule? How are we going to do this? How are we going to reduce down the debt? What's going to happen? How many pounds am I going to lose this month? How many pounds am I going to lose this month? And, And those are wonderful things. But how much time have we spent saying, What are the serious spiritual changes that are going to take place? What are your in-depth spiritual goals for the new year? What's your plan? How are you going to reach it? What discernible difference will we see in you in your spiritual maturity? What fresh influence is going to take place because of how the Lord's working? And on the first day of 2019, what growth will have taken place? What will be different about Paul Rhodes on January 1, 2019, if Lord willing, we're all still here and I'm still here. How much more passionate will I be? How much more zealous will I be? How much more in love with the Lord will I be? How much stronger will my witness be? How much better will the ministry be? How much more involved will I be in missions? How much will I be using my gifts? What's the goal? If you don't have a goal, you're not going to reach it. As somebody might say, well, we don't know how the Lord's going to work. Amen, brother. But you know what? You plan your diet and you plan your vacation and you plan your finances. No, I don't know how the Lord's going to work. But we need to be more intentional about our spiritual development and our maturation. And if the Lord wants to take us in a different direction, I at least want him to find me walking in faith and walking in faithful obedience if and when he decides to move me in a different direction. I don't want to just be sitting still waiting for you, Lord, waiting by faith. Here we go, Lord, move me. And then the Lord says, all right, it's time to move. Well, I don't know, Lord. Let me pray about that. Nope. I'm already moving forward, Lord. I'm full steam ahead. You want to to move me over to this path? That's fine, but I'm moving forward. It's one thing I love about this text. Look back at verses 8 to 12. Paul, this great apostle He's openly aware, openly honest about his inadequacies and his failures. This is a person who's led thousands of people to trust in Christ. This is a person who's led thousands of people and discipled them. This is a person who's set up multiple churches. This is a person who's written half of the New Testament. But he says, I'm not resting on any supposed successes that I have. Look at what he writes in verse 8. I count all that I've done as lost. Every personal accomplishment is rubbish compared to knowing Christ because Christ surpasses everything. Then he says in verses 9 and 10, I haven't attained righteousness through the law. In other words, by being good, by being a good person and doing all the stuff that I'm supposed to do. Remember, this is the Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, I didn't obey it well because I didn't obey it perfectly. So, so... Any righteousness that's in me, it didn't come from my obedience. Then he says, look at it. The only righteousness I have, I receive through faith in Christ. By the power of his resurrection and by being conformed to his death that he died with my sin. So his conclusion, verse 12, I haven't obtained, I'm far from perfect, I haven't laid hold of this type of perfection yet. All I have is, is my relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the power of this text is that Paul knows that while he's been declared righteous and while he has a new nature through Christ, there is still so much more to reach. He needs more of the Spirit. He needs a deeper faith. He needs more humility He needs more consistent obedience. He needs greater influence. Listen, there's not a person in this room that those five statements aren't true of. Anybody need more of the Spirit in 2018? I'll be the first to raise my hand. Deeper faith, oh, that we would trust without even questioning. Obedience that's unwavering and faithful. Humility that's profound. Influence on the lives of other people. I don't know about you, but I need all five of those and much, much, much more. And that's a very important spiritual truth for this new year. Because whenever we look at Jesus Christ, we realize just how far we are from being like Christ. The more you look at the author and finisher of our faith, the more you say, I am not anywhere close to being finished. God is still working and I need to be more like Christ. Heaven calls us to be just like Christ. So the reality of our ongoing imperfection, the reality of our our, uh, lack of greater maturity, all of that cuts through any thought we might have of pride. Any thought we might have, I've arrived, I'm there, I've made it, I I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray and I'm good and I can just kind of settle in and do my thing and wait for the Lord to return because I'm making it. Paul says, and this is the greatest, probably one of the greatest men who's ever lived, one of the greatest Christians who's ever lived, he says, nope, that's all rubbish. It's, the word in the Greek is dung. It's dung. It means nothing because all I have is from Christ. And my job, my responsibility is to be like Christ. Now when you look at verse 15, having that attitude as he calls it means that we're fighting against the cultural mindset. Listen carefully now. We're fighting against the cultural mindset that says, nobody's wrong, and nobody fails. I call this the participation trophy mentality. No score, no winners and losers, no sense of failing. Everybody's on exactly the same level. Until you disagree with me, then you're worthless. But other than that, we're all on the same level. We all drink our Starbucks, we all drive our Prius, we all are middle class. It's all the same. Nobody wins. Nobody loses. Kids, did you have fun? No, we got beaten by 46 runs. But did you have fun? Here's your trophy. Right? That mindset has made us soft. But even worse, oh, this really hit me. Even worse, that mindset has made us proud. Because if I can't fail and nobody can achieve or be successful without guilt, then the bottom line is I always come first. You can't tell me no. You can't tell me that I'm failing. You have to keep giving me every opportunity so I don't have to achieve. I can just take and I can just receive and we're all winners and nobody's a loser and everything's great. I hope you're getting what I'm saying this morning. That has made us proud because now I'm at the center of the universe. Look at what Paul says. He says humility is absolutely essential. For faith and growth. And I want to encourage you and challenge you. To pray for humility this year. I mean aggressively. Lord humble me. Lord keep me humble. Lord give me a humble mindset. Lord give me a humble attitude. Prevent pride from from forming. Like plaque in the arteries of our spirit. Prevent pride from, from clogging up my life. Because I need to be humble before you. See, humility is birthed out of a clear understanding of our failure and God's perfect righteousness and the fact that Jesus has translated us from sin to holiness, from death to life, from bondage and punishment to eternal time with him, from the old self to to the new self, that's not because everybody's a winner and I feel good about myself and it's all happy. That's only because of Jesus. And the reason we're called to be emptied of self daily and filled with His Spirit is so that any overt or or subtle preoccupation with self doesn't rear its ugly head. Because when that happens, we ask questions like, well, what about me? And why doesn't anybody take care of me? And why don't I have more friends on social media? And why why aren't people calling me? And why isn't it about me? You notice the theme word there? Me, 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 me. me. This is devastating to our faith. Preoccupation with self is devastating to our faith because faith is is surrender. And this is why the enemy uses it so much and why he exploits it. So we'll not only be selfish, so we'll not only be unsacrificial, so we'll not only be uncaring toward other people, but because he wants us to live in the spiritual disease of chronic dissatisfaction. Chronically unhappy, Chronically unsettled, chronically unsatisfied, chronically bitter, chronically looking back. No hope, no confidence, no peace, no joy, no faith, nothing. Just discontentment. And that happens when we focus on self rather than being humble. Because if I'm focused on myself and I'm told that I'm fine, then I don't need to confess sin. I don't need to read. What do I need to learn? I don't need to pray because that would be surrender. I've arrived. I'm forgiven, saved, declared righteous, cleansed, filled with the Spirit. I don't need to be humble. I have it all. Listen, I fully believe with great gratitude that we're declared righteous. But we should always be humbled by the fact that we are so far from righteousness until we get to heaven. And the Bible's full of verbs that tell us that there is a movement forward. It says strive and run and reach and pursue and press on and go forward. Remember the definition of forget I gave you a couple minutes ago? It means to neglect and no longer care for. And that applies spiritually. That applies spiritually. Denounce your old life. Leave it behind because Jesus has given us something so much more wonderful, so much more glorious, so much more joyful, that even it, it, it doesn't even compare to the old life. So look back at the text one more time, verse 13. When Paul says, forget what lies behind, he's not just talking about the pain of our past and, and our old life, uh, you know, what's happened in the last year and the heartache and whatever. He's not, he's not just talking about personally. He's talking about spiritually. He says, put off that old life once And for all, you may hang on to it with some nostalgia and sentimentality like it ever did anything for you. All it did was bring pain and heartache and separation from the Lord and discipline and punishment and bondage and a smearing of your life and character. The old self is a fraudulent lifestyle. It makes promises, you'll be happier, you'll be more free if you just reject God. But instead, it just brings misery. It brings the searing pain of separation and a constant question uh, uh, of trying to find answers of what is the purpose. And God says, you don't need those false promises because I'll give you thousands of promises that are sure and yea and amen, and I will keep every one of them to you. The old life offers fulfillment through pleasure. Oh, if you just live for yourself, you'll be so happy and so full of pleasure. You know what? All I have to do is look at the famous people in this country. The celebrities, the wealthy people, the promiscuous people. And all I see is discontentment. They're doing drugs, They're taking pictures, press is taking pictures of them. They look horrible. They're they're getting divorced left and right. They're just in pain. There's no joy. If joy came through that, then we'd say, look at those people. They're thriving, but they're not. Jesus says, I'll offer you the path of life. I'll offer you my hand of blessing at my right hand forevermore, and you'll have spiritual contentment and joy and peace that's straight from heaven. The enemy says, well, well, okay, but, but I'll, I'll be with you and I'll provide you lots of fun and, and lots of satisfaction. But he's a liar. And as soon as he finds somebody else to dupe, he'll leave us as quickly as he can. What does Jesus say? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In my presence, tell me, there's fullness of joy. See, there's so much of a lie and a, and a fraud being perpetuated that the old self is better. So, while we never want to fully forget our past because it reminds us of God's mercy and it humbles us and it causes us to keep repenting and being thankful and being faithful, Paul says we've got to reach forward. Look at it, it's right here, end of verse 13, and we're going to pray. He says, Reach forward. Stretch out in faith. Run toward the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 16, Keep living, Philippians. Keep living, Christian, by the same standard that you have attained. In other words, what Jesus did. Not what you did. What Jesus has done in your life. Keep living by that standard. Lay hold of it. It's been provided by Christ. This is an upward call. It's not earthly It's not do better in the new year. It's not reach your goals in the new year. It's not lose weight and get more money in the new year. It is an upward call. Keep holding on to it. Lay hold of it, what you've attained through Christ. Now, this is your goal. Keep living by it. And that leads us to the last calling from heaven. The last calling from heaven is to expect the Lord to use you. Expect the Lord to use you. Let me ask you some questions. I'll try to ask them slowly. What is heaven's desire? What is heaven's expectation for your life in 2018? And what is the Lord laying on your heart? What is the Lord calling you to do? Jeremiah called it the burden of the Lord. So, what's the burden on your heart? What are you praying about? What are, what are you praying the Lord to burden you with? What's the spirit stirring in you? What is that interest, that desire, that that stirring in your spirit that's uncomfortable? And you go, wow, I don't know, that's pretty far out of the box. And while it kind of scares you, it really excites you at the same time. Is your faith and your willingness to obey, is it bold and strong and courageous? We just studied the book of Joshua, right? Three times in nine verses, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Go take new ground. We related that to us as a church and to outreach. I want to relate it now to your life. What's the new ground? What's God stirring in you? What's he calling you to? Are you willing to be stretched? Because if you're willing to be stretched, God's willing to use you in a mighty way. And when you and I are walking faithfully with him and we're seeking his leading and we're expecting us, we're expecting him, excuse me, to use us, he will. If your expectation for the new year is not just, well, I got to get through and kind of have a little bit of growth and do a little bit better. Nope. Let's go beyond that, church. What are you expecting God to do? How are you praying for God to stir you? Are you open? Lord, stir me. Stir me. Oh, Lord, just rattle the cage a little bit this year. Get me out of the box. I want to go forward. I want to do something significant. I want to do something that'll change lives. And Lord, as I do that, I want you to change me because I can't change lives until you change me. So Lord, I want to walk with you like I never have before. I want to move beyond the past of my old life and I want to go forward. As you do that, oh, the Lord's going to bring out some plans. He's going to bring out some plans. And you're going to go, whoa, he was serious. Yeah, he was. God has great plans for you. God has great plans for me. And he has great plans for this church. Will we answer his call? Let's pray.